Hawking singers, oh, happy day, unless you want to back up and do that again. <laughs> Patty wants to do it again. She wants to hear the 18, oh, happy days over again. Except there were more than 18, weren't there? <laughs> Only 18 of those ones. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, we're under the heading, Is Music for Everyone? And we had talked about musical membership and how there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to be involved in music. And then we listened to Oh Happy Day. And now we're going to talk about uh, singing. We talked about planning music, about listening to music. Now we're talking about singing. Three quarters of all Bible verses referring to music include singing. Let that sink in. One survey shows that 77% of people enjoy singing. I mean, that's a biggie. 77% because there's always somebody that doesn't like to do anything. Anyone who can talk can sing because as I demonstrated on Monday night, singing is merely extended speech, isn't it? Many have an unnecessary feeling of singing incompetence. I can't sing a note. You just did in telling us that. And all you have to do is extend the vowels a little bit and you will be singing. I can't sing a note. You just did. Playing music. Well, there's plenty of biblical support for this, both in worship and outside worship. The instrumentalist makes a unique musical contribution the instrumentalist can perform music impossible for singing. One player can perform both melody and harmony on at least certain instruments, such as what? Piano, organ, or guitar. Actually, you can accompany yourself, provide harmony on the violin, but only two notes, as we learned on Monday night. Not three. On the guitar, however, you can play many harmonic notes with your melody. Just listen to Jose Feliciano if you don't believe me. Supporting music. Here's where you parents come in with your kids taking lessons. Let me tell you about Mrs. Link. Mrs. Mignon Link was a graduate of Juilliard conservatory and she lived in Glenside and she drove a Packard and I was 10 years old and my parents somehow found out about Mignon Link and they were willing to let me have piano lessons with that woman. She was a beautiful woman, she lived in a beautiful house, she had a beautiful car and she could play the piano beautifully. In fact she had two grand pianos in her very large living room. And my dad, folks, we're talking here 1945. My dad coughed up. Yeah, now you know how old I am. My dad coughed up the handsome sum of $5 for one music lesson. Do you have any idea... How much was $5 worth in 1945 in our, in our money? At least 50 maybe 75 
But uh, she was expensive. But she was good. And I used to take the six trolley from Willow Grove. After Christian school, I'd walk over to the six trolley and I'd take it down to Glenside, get off at Keswick Avenue, and walk to Mrs. Link's house. And if it was really rainy, she would drive me home to Horsham in her Packard. <laughs> and so I prayed for rain. But Mrs. Link, that was an hour lesson, and she invariably played for me at least ten minutes of that hour. And she let me sit beside her on the bench, right there. And she played. She wasn't trying to teach me anything particularly. She was modeling for me. She was letting me hear what she was doing, how she was phrasing. That was part of the music lesson, to listen to Mrs. Link play piano. I had a, a little concert every week. Now, my mom and my dad paid paid dearly, and they sacrificed for that. What a gift they gave me. I took lessons for four years from Mrs. Link, and then I didn't need any more lessons, not because I was such a good pianist, because I'm not, but because Mrs. Link gave me the ABCs of music. Now, of course, I went to a great Christian school, Willow Grove Christian Day School, and Mrs. Thomas Gregory taught us music. We, taught, we were taught take five. We were taught, taught music notation back in second, third grade. Just as we were learning our letters, we were also learning our notes. And so by the time I started music lessons with Mrs. Link, I knew how to read music notation. So it was a piece of cake. I knew what the paper said it wanted done, and all I had to do was be a functionary. I just had to translate what the paper said, and I understood that down to the keyboard. So I had a jump on all the kids that were taking piano lessons and didn't know how to read music notation. That was a blessing. That was also what my parents gave me because they paid as well for the Christian school. Public school wasn't doing that. Public school had singing. Or at least the teacher tried to keep the kids from totally destroying the room during music class. But music class in the Willow Grove Christian Day School was great. At least I was turned on by it. I don't know whether anybody else was, but I loved it. So... Do you think that my parents were into music? You bet your boots. They were into it that deeply that they were willing to invest their hard-earned money, which they didn't have a whole lot, into blessing Tommy with that gift. Not the gift that Tommy had, but the gift that could be given to Tommy, which I, which I now possess. So... Let your kids have music lessons. Don't make them have them. Uh, talk with them about it, and if they, if they don't want to do it just now, then let it go for a little while. And ask them what kind of music they like to listen to. And, and don't say, well, I, won't, I don't agree with that. Say, okay, I'll come and listen to it with you, and you can tell me why you think it's good. And, and try to get involved with them in where they are. And say, well... You like that kind of music? Well, let's see if we can get some of that music and let's see if we can get you some lessons and maybe you can learn how to play some of those melodies. That is, unless it's bad. If it's really bad, then... And by bad, I don't mean that you don't like it. I mean bad and that it's immoral. But then you've got a deeper question. Why does your child want immoral stuff? So, but try to go as far with them as you can. Uh, 
Usually we face a shortage of men and boys in our choirs. I think, guys, you need to get with it. I don't know. How many of our ch- churches in Southern California have choirs? Maybe that's passe. Maybe, are there any of our churches that have choirs? Hands up. That's Chula Vista. What other churches? Long Beach? Just the two? New Life in, 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 in uh, uh, La Mesa. Okay. Now, in those choirs, how are those choirs doing with men and boys? Okay? Okay, well, I don't have... You're doing okay? Well, that's great. I don't have to say anything. But many choirs, you know, they have 16 gals and two men. And I just want to encourage the guys to get with it when that happens. Composing music. That's part of musical membership. Now, formal composing does require unusual talent, indeed. And I'm not suggesting that everybody can compose a symphony. But informal composing, such as improvisation, doesn't take a lot of technical training. Try it. You may like it. Uh, there are, uh, try to encourage your children, if they're taking piano lessons, to write their own songs and tell them how great they sound. Whatever the sound is, tell them it's great. <laughs> and mean it. Music maker, Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts has been called the father of English hymnody. He was born in Southampton, England in 1674. His father was a dissenter who was twice imprisoned for his religious views. Isaac forsook the established, that is the Anglican or the Episcopal Church, for independency. Isaac Watts published 210 hymns in 1709. He was a busy boy. Twelve years later, he published the Psalms of David in the language of the New Testament. Example, Trinity Hymn number three. We already sang it. Paraphrases, indeed, were given to glorify Christ, such as Psalm 72, Jesus shall reign. I think this is the red Trinity Hymn number. I don't know what the number is in the blue. Watts was a preacher and a poet until his death in 1748. When I survey the wondrous cross, named by some the finest hymn in the English language, it was a favorite of J. Gresham Machen, and it is sung at all commencement services at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, without exception. They don't need to turn to it in the book. It is set to to a strong, singable tune, Simple, but not diddly. The words speak both to God and to man. Verses 1 and 4 of the hymn, if you look at it, you'll see, are somewhat contemplative, but they're not flighty emotionalism. In all, the hymn is a marvelous meditation on Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1 gives us a marvelous opportunity to sing verbal rather than musical phrases. Uh, help me out with the number in the Blue Trinity hymn while I find my glasses. Thank you, 186. Let's turn to it. And you're going to find out what I mean by verbal phrases rather than musical phrases. Here's a musical phrase. Here's a non-turned-on piano.
a musical phrase, isn't it? Here's a verbal phrase. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, that's a verbal phrase. What is this? When I survey the wondrous cross, which one's that? Oh, a certain one. The one on which the Prince of Glory died. Don't ever again, please, folks, sing. Would you please do the first phrase with me correctly? Together, here we go. And then, of course, it goes on to say what happens when you do survey that wondrous cross on which the Savior died. Do you have any idea how that warms my heart, what you just did? And would you please remember to do that all the time? You will warm the cockles of this old OP minister's heart. But it takes some doing, doesn't it? We're just not used to it. We insist on singing musical phrases. And I don't for the life of me know why. Aren't the words more important than the notes? Taking no breath between cross and on does two things. It makes clear which cross we're talking about. And two... It avoids having us make the non-statement on which the Prince of Glory died my richest gain and so forth. That's what happens when you take a breath between cross and on. You say, on which the Prince of Glory died my richest gain I count but lost. That is a non-sentence. Let's let's do it. Let's see, where's my penis? Thank you. We're doing uh, 501, and we're doing Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. But I'm going to talk about it first. This hymn comes from the time of the Wesleyan Methodist revival in England of the 18th century with its fiery preaching of John, its heartwarming hymns of Charles Wesley. The composer, however, is neither uh, of those men, his name is William Williams. Why in the world would you <laughs> Your name is William. Why would you name your kid William? I can't for the life of me figure that one out. Anyway, that's his name. And he won fame chiefly by this single hymn. This Welshman has left us, however, a sacred song that has gone singing down through the years. Oh, Bill, I forgot to give you a tape. I didn't give you this one, did I?
Here it is. Uh, no. Yeah, Marston. Yes, this is the Marston Orpheus Choir. I hope that it's at the right place, Bill. If it isn't, we're in trouble, and we just probably won't even do it. But don't do it yet. Uh, rugged and stirring. This tune sets forth, and this hymn sets forth, in striking imagery, the experiences of the Israelites in the wilderness, which, of course, you remember is our church. Uh, quite a few centuries ago, but our church. The hymn was originally written in Welsh. In a moment, we're going to hear, I hope, one verse in the Welsh language sung by the Marston Orpheus Choir. The tune, and I hope I pronounce it correctly, Cumranda. Any Welshmen here? Is that the way you say it? Cumranda. Thank you, Cumranda. It's perhaps the most famous of the Welsh hymn tunes. Williams was a deacon in the Church of England. Because of his free methods of evangelism, he was denied full ordination to the ministry. He joined the Wesleyan revival, but forsook it soon thereafter. He was surely a Calvinistic Methodist, and he adopted Wales as his parish. He's described as having been a powerful preacher with an unusually gifted sing- and an unusually gifted singer. After ministering for 45 years, William Williams passed through the swelling current and no doubt landed safe on Canaan's side. Let's see if I've got the tape at the right place. This is uh, Cumranda, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, in Welsh, I hope. of that intensity will really have something. Stand up and, and sing the whole hymn and watch me. We may do some things. Yeah, if I stand here, you can see me. Oh, you, you want me back? I'm, I'm going to stay right here. Yeah, well, watch me. Just give, just give us the chord. Mm-hmm. A little bit different key than that. Okay, here we go. Yes. Guide me, O Thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but Thou art mighty, hold me with Thy powerful hand. Yes, feed me till I 
Let's hear the parts. Yes, open now. Open now the crystal power. Don't drag. The healing stream does flow. There's the fire and cloud. Watch here. Pillar, lead me all my journey through. Strong deliverer, strong deliverer. Yes, bid I'll still my strength and shield. Bid I'll still my strength and the shield. Little interlude. Be thou still. Everyone on the melody. Piano. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fear subside. At the alto. And hell's destruction land me say on Canaan. Let's hear the tenor now, a little louder. Songs of praises, songs of praises, I, everyone, will ever give to Now, who says Orthodox Presbyterian Church don't have choirs? Now we need to look at a biblical model of everyone being involved in music. And you're not surprised to see that this is connected to the fact that we're all involved with each other. Uh, we're the body of Christ. We're not the group of Christ, but the body of Christ. We can profitably apply Paul's teachings, say in Romans 12, verses 3 through 5, to the question of musical participation. Let's listen to those verses. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now apply that teaching to our activity in the field of faith, in a field of music. And I think it works both ways. We have the body of Christ, and we have music. And when we function together as a body, I think we make music better. And as we make music better, it helps us to appreciate better the fact that we are a body. 
think they serve each other. Music is an appropriate activity for the body of Christ, though it is not a spiritual gift as such, any more than painting or volleyball is a spiritual gift. We have to realize that uh, there are two relationships, two dimensions of relationship. There is our relationship with God in the area of music, in that we worship Him with our music. And remember that in our worship music, God is the listener. There is a sense, of course, where in a number of our hymns we speak to each other. In fact, Ephesians and Colossians say as much that we speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But those verses and that understanding that we are talking to and listening to each other in music should not trump the more primary consideration that in that speaking to each other and exhorting and encouraging each other to continue faithful in the gospel, we are also presenting ourselves as a body before the Lord. And we are saying, here we are, Lord. Do you see that we, brothers and sisters, love each other, care for each other, support each other, encourage one another, because we want to function more acceptably as your church on this earth. So we lift our intermural hymn of encouragement to each other, we lift it to you as a hymn of praise because if you don't bless us, we're going to be fighting with each other. (laughs) We're not going to work together. And so we really ask you to, to help us to stay together and to love each other and to grow together and so that the stronger ones will wait for the weaker ones. We have to realize that in our churches. There are people that are not soaring in their sanctification in our congregations. There are people that are struggling with their assurance. There are people that are struggling with temptations to sin. And they're struggling in more painful ways even than maybe we have imagined. Maybe we ought to struggle a little more and maybe we ought to experience some more pain. But we're not all the same. The body, the finger cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you, nor the elbow to the knee, I do not need you. So our relationship to God is vertical and our relationship to each other is horizontal. Now in our relationship to God, we worship Him with music and we also thank Him for music. And I believe here we also get into worship, into music in the rest of our life. I don't think it's wrong when we're in worship services to praise God and thank God for music that we enjoy when we're not in church. I think there's a hymn of Edmund Clowney in here, or maybe it's David Clowney, that thanks God for music. At least it's in the Red Trinity Hymnal. Uh, We don't have that before us, but it actually talks about music. So there's a hymn in the Red Trinity Hymnal that thanks God for music. Not worship music, but music music. Music outside the worship services. It's like thanking him for everything that he has created and all the blessings and the joys and the uh, uh, things that we have received from thanking him for our food. If I had only food and no music, I would still be hungry. So our relationship then horizontally with each other is also important in music. 
In, in love, the musical performer gives it to others as well. Now, here we're not talking about music in worship. We're talking about music outside worship because we, we don't uh, give a gift of music to each other in worship. We, gi- we give it to God. We may exhort one another in our hymns, but we do not give music to each other. We give music to God. But outside our worship services, we can have concerts. We can have little, little recitals. We can have informal times when we play music for each other. When I was at the Geyers uh, on uh, Sunday for the baptism of Josiah, uh, we were there be- before uh, the, the meeting, and uh, Hannah Geyer played the first movement of Vivaldi's violin concerto for us all. And we just sat, sat there and listened to Hannah play that first movement of Vivaldi's violin concerto. And that was a gift. We, she didn't even know we were going to ask her to do that. And she didn't pull this, oh, I couldn't, business. She did it out of love. And we asked her. It would have been okay if she'd said no. We wouldn't have pressed her. But she said yes. And, and that, is, that is how we can, we can give gifts to each other. We shouldn't embarrass people and expect them to do things that, that maybe would, they're not competent to do. But when we have competency and we're asked to, to, to give something, we should, we should not balk at that. Hannah didn't see that that was a time for her to shine. She, she knew that uh, she'd been working hard at that Vivaldi uh, Violin Concerto Movement 1. I knew it, and I knew she could do it. And uh, she did it. It was gorgeous. Good music does good. We also serve... Uh, in music. 1 Corinthians 14.12 says, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. I think we need to make more spontaneous music. We should, we should participate in music as the body of Christ in other times than those where somebody says, turn to him such and such. Music involves unity and diversity. 1 Corinthians 12.4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. We lose sight of our unity when we have less fellowship with believers with different tastes than us while drawing close to unbelievers who share those tastes. I think that particularly becomes relevant in the area of music. can't find any Christians that like the music that we like, but we can find some unbelievers who do. I'm not talking about music that we shouldn't be listening to. But uh, sometimes believers can be so narrow in their willingness to accept different kinds of music. And it's a shame, really, that we, we don't have greater fellowship in music. I've got to be careful here because I like opera. And it seems like very few people do. And I'm, side, I'm sort of on a little mild crusade to sort of raise our opera quotient, if possible, in, among my Christian brothers and sisters. So if you come to my house, who came to my house and had to watch the Tales of Hoffman? Did, you, did, you, did I make you watch the tales? Ha, have you recovered from that yet? It took 20 years. <laughs> Can't win them all. Um, interdependence in music needs to be recognized. Listen to Romans 12, verses 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Watch Tales of Hoffman of Tyson insists. 
play a silly game <laughs> one time. No, I think it's really saying be, be willing not to just force your own views on others, but to open the possibility that somebody else's musical tastes just might deserve a, a, a mild consideration, even if in the end you decide you don't like it. At least would you please say at the beginning, I don't like it yet. Take five, lesson four. Okay. Can we have the lights off, please? Here we've got some musical notation. Now, on the basis of take fives one, two, and three that we've had, we ought to be ready to learn how to proceed to read this tune. The first question you have to ask yourself is, what staff is it? Answer? Treble. So it's on the right or the left-hand side of the piano? Right-hand side. Two, what key are we in? How do you know that? Because of that F-sharp. You know that F-sharp is there because without the F-sharp, you would have an F-natural, wouldn't you? Because you'd be in the key of C if it was happy. And it would go do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, all white notes. But there's this note in here. There's that F-sharp. That tells you that you're in the key of G. You with me? Because it's happy. We'll find out that it's happy. What is the time? That is, how, are, how is the period of time of the singing being set apart and arranged and structured? Well, look at the T signature. What does it say? 4-4. Four, four, that's the time signature. What does this four up here mean? Four beats in the measure. What's a measure? From here to here. That's a measure. Four beats in a measure. What kind of a note gets one beat? Quarter note, because it's a four, and a four is a quarter. There are four quarters in a whole. Piece of cake. Why do, why do everybody say, I can't read music, it's too hard? I don't believe it. It's amazingly simple. Now, let's find the starting note. What is the starting note? What is the name of that note? B. How do you know it's a B? Every good boy deserves fudge. Every good boy. So the line, the third line is B. Now, where is the G in relation to that B? Down how far? Every good. There it is. Now, how many notes away from this is the G? Two. So if the G is the main note of the key, what is the name of the syllable in the key of that G? What do we call it? Do. So G is Do. And what would the A be, the, the space in there? What would that be? Re. So what is this one here? Me. So it's me. So if, if this is Do, where is me? Well, where is Ray after Do? Give me Ray. Ray, where is me? Me. There's the starting note. 
I don't know whether I was anywhere near what it is on the piano, but that's how you find the starting notes. So there. See, whenever you sing Happy Birthday to You, you always find the wrong starting note. I have sung 16,433 Happy Birthdays, and 15,479 of them have been started. Happy Birthday to you. Happy Birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear whoever you are. Happy birthday. How did it get so low? Why is it that we start it down in the cellar? <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Now we can sing it with some vigor because we get it up where it belongs. So you not only have to know what the starting note is, you've got to find where that is, where the pitch is. And for that, that's why God invented pianos, or people invented pianos. So on the piano, we find a G... And we know that's not the starting note. What starting note are we looking for? B. Because it's do, re, mi. Do, re, mi. There's the starting note of this. Keep that in your mind. So let's go la, la, la a few notes. Don't worry about the time. Let's just make them all even. Let's just do la, la, la. Remember that's our starting note. And remember, we're in the key of G, so that's the me which goes down to re, to do. So here we go, la, 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 ready? La, 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 la. Do you get that? Do you see that? Do you see how easy that is? All we did was just got the right starting note found out where it was on the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do thing, and then we just read it like you read Mary threw the ball to spot. Oh, no, the dog, yeah, does the dog catch the ball? Okay. Now, do you know it? Mary had a little lamb, except we didn't do it with the right time. Now, this time, let's observe the time, because not only do we know that there are four beats in a measure and a quarter note gets a beat, but we know that that is not just a quarter note. What is it? A quarter note with a dot. And what does the dot do? Increases the time by one half. So this note is going to be held for one and a half beats. What's this note? How many beats is that going to be? Because eight is half of a quarter. One beat, one beat, one beat, one beat. What the heck is that one? It's a half note. How many beats does that get? Because what kind of a note gets one beat? And, and how, is, how is a half note related to a quarter note? It's double it. So double, two, double one is two. So that gets two beats. One beat, one beat, two beat, one, one, two. So now let's say there's our me still. Did we remember it correctly? Now let's do a little bit faster with la, la, la. Ready, go. La, 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 la. What's the problem, folks? What's that? We already know that. <laughs> I know, you cheated. Okay, now I got one for you that I'm sure you don't know. Try this one. I'm sure you don't know it. The reason why I don't know it is because I wrote it. And it's an awful tune. But I made it as awful as I possibly could because I didn't want it to be related to any tune known to man or beast. And I wanted to do all kinds of different things with it. But before we sing it, 
Notice a few more new notations. We're going to introduce new stuff each time. You'll notice here a P. What does that P mean? Sing it soft. Notice this. What does that mean? Carry over, hold it. That means that even though this is a whole measure, and this is a whole measure, you're not going to, you're not going to do that note, stop, and then do that note. You're going to do this as though it were one note. That means carry it over. What does this mean? Progressively louder. See it there? What's that mean? Immediately softer. There it is. So start out soft, get louder, immediately get soft when you hit that note. Go from really fortissimo, really loud here, to really soft, and then hold this over. Now you've got to keep all that stuff in mind. But you're all grown up now. You can do that. Okay, what staff... We've got to do all these questions too, again, down with this tune. What staff are we in? Bass staff. So you've got to watch... The FACE business doesn't work the same as it did up here. What, what key are you in? D. How do you know you're in the key of D? Two sharps. How do you know that two sharps is the key of D? Because you memorized it. No. Because remember the key of G has one sharp, the F sharp? Listen. Now go up, go up five notes from G. Where does that take you? To what note? D. That takes you to D. Now, the, the D scale keeps the F sharp from the G scale. So you get D, E, F sharp. Remember that from G? G, A, B. Is that right? No, that's not right. You've got to sharp the C to... So it becomes F sharp, C sharp, D. So two sharps in the key signature means you're in the key of D, if it's happy. I keep saying if it's happy because one of the later take fives tells you what happens when it's sad. What time is it? Three, four. What time is that commonly known as? Waltz time, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Three beats per measure is waltz time. What kind of a note gets one beat? Quarter note. So that means whenever you have a quarter note here, you've got one beat. How many beats will the half note get? How many beats will the dotted half note get? So how many, how many notes will there be in that measure? One, because you're only allowed to have three beats in a measure, and since this is three beats, you've got two lines on either side of it, because that's the whole measure. Get it? Now, find the starting note. What's the starting note here? Be careful. If you're up in this, this we learned, remember, that this was a B. What is, the, what is the note, what is that middle line? Fudge. So the, D, the middle line in the bass clef is a D. So that's real easy. We know we're in the key of D and we're going to start the tune on a D. So all we need is a piano. 
Because, let's see, where was the G? Does anybody remember it? Can you hum it? Does anybody remember it? Because we had the G before, a little about 15 minutes, 10 minutes ago. Was it there? Was it right there? Let's see if we can remember. Ah, good. We got. So now all we have to now is find the D. Here we go. Bum, 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 bum. There's the D. We're in the key of D. All right, now we're going to la la the tune. Okay, for the first time through, you can forget about all this junk. All this pee and this crazy stuff here. Only one to remember is just this one. And we're going to sing it to the time, saying la la. Are you ready? There's our first note. Here's the beat. One, two, sing. La la la. La 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 Now let's that was good, pretty good. Now let's observe all of this business. We're going to start out soft. At this measure we're going to gradually increase to loud for this measure, and then as soon as we hit this note, we're going to become immediately soft, and then we go to the end. And we're going to take it a little bit faster. Are you ready? There's our D. Here's the, here's the B. One, two, three, one, two, sing. La. Too loud. Piano. La. Ready? Where's our thing? Have I lost it? There it is. One, two, three. La, 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 Don't you ever tell me again that you can't read music. You just did. Okay, in our final four minutes, we're going to compose a song right now. Because we're, we're on a tear. First, we need a text. Okay, what should we talk about? Should we sing about Blue Ridge? What's the name of this conference? Blue Ridge Conference? Blue Ridge Bible Conference? Shall we, shall we talk about uh, being up on a mountain? Should we talk about San Bernardino? Should we talk about L.A. and the smog? What? We need a text here, and we need a text that will say the da 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 da. That's all we need. Just some kind of a text. What's the topic? What do you want to talk about? Animals and mountains. Okay, what kind of animals are around this mountain? Bears. Okay. There's one here now. Oh, there's a lizard. You want to talk about lizards or bears? There was a lizard. Which, do you want to make a song about a lizard? What? A lizard eaten by a bear. Okay. Now, we've got to have some... Come on, we only have about three minutes. So, we've got to have something with some, with some rhythm to it, and it needs to rhyme, too. Give me something. Anybody ideas? Come on.
We're trying, we're trying to get up there to see the big old bear. And instead we saw a lizard. We're, we're trying to get up there to see the great big bear. But there, but there was, but there was a blizzard. No, 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 what was it? What? Where I came from. Now that we got to get the rhythm here. On the way there was a blizzard, so all we saw was a lizard. No, what? No, what? Come on. On the way, on the way there came a blizzard, so we. We just ran over a lizard. On the way, there came a blizzard, so we just ran over a lizard. What was the first part? I forgot it already. What's that? We're trying to get up there to see the great big bear. Say it with me. On the way, there was a blizzard, and all we got... All we, so all... So we just ran over a blizzard. Uh, I don't, a gizzard? Okay. On the way to see the... No, what? We, we're trying to get up there to see a great big bear. On the way there was a blizzard. So we just went over... Do it again. We're, we're trying to get up there to see a great big bear. On the way there was a blizzard. So, all, so we just ran over a lizard. We, we tried to get... We tried to get up there to see the great big bear. On their way, there was a blizzard, so all we saw was a lizard. No. So we just ran over a lizard. Okay, I think we have a text. It's got various emendations. But now we need a tune. We've only got one minute for our tune. Give me a la-la tune that goes with da-da-da-da-da-da. Come on, anything will do. We'll fix it. We're, we're trying, we're trying. We're, we're trying to get up there to see the great big bear. But on the way there, but on the way was a blizzard. So all we, and we just ran over a lizard. A lizard. We, we, we just, we just went, what, what's the first part? We, we all, we tried, we, we tried to get, we, we tried to get up there to see the great big bear, but on the way, so all we, so we just ran over a lizard. <laughs> Not bad. Something like that. Anyway, that gives you an idea. You, you can compose a song, and that's the way you do it. Whatever you get in the end. Okay. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. See you tonight.